You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. I was I just peripherally I could see you kind of staring at me, Ryan. It's kind of weird. Well, we got creepy lighting in the room right now. Yeah, I wish you guys could see the lighting right now. Spooky. Uh, but when we start video in two weeks, you will see it. But it, it, right now, it's just like one light's missing, so it, it looks like I'm doing a horror podcast. And if you're uh, my good buddy from Fangoria, Dallas, who's the one of the main guys, pretty much the main guy, produced Bone Tomahawk, and you're listening because you always listen to the podcast, and he's been wanting me to do a Fangoria podcast, and God, I'd love to do it. We've got to figure that out one day when it makes perfect sense for both of us, but, I, you know. I also want to do his movies, too. God, I love you, Dallas. You're a genius. Is that me kissing ass, Ryan? A little bit. Well, right. But Dallas likes me. We, we have a mutual respect and love for each other. That helps. Yeah. I think that is important. Did you have a good week, man? Yeah, I did. Yeah? Yeah. It's been a good week. Do you listen to the okay. podcast? I do. You listen to the Nikki Whelan? I did. You did? Yeah. So we recorded it together. Uh-huh. And then you actually, you know, you didn't edit this one. Mia did. She did, yes. Because you're going to edit the videos coming up, which you're working on right now. Yeah, those are coming out in a couple weeks. Right, but uh, and Mia does a great job. She's fantastic. She's amazing. I have she a lot. She's amazing. Yeah. And she's really helped you in uh, yeah. some good pointers. I mean, I already had plenty of respect, but I have even more respect now that I'm in the editing process of all this. Like, she's, she's, she's great. Yeah, because you gotta, you gotta, you know, people want to listen, and they w- don't want to listen to a lot of uhs and oohs, and you know, it's got to sound good. But you still want it to sound natural. Sound natural. You don't want it to be choppy. Edity. 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 Last week, Nikki Whelan was a good episode. In fact, my assistant Jess was like, I love this episode. And she doesn't say that often. I mean, I, th- I think she likes them all. But uh, this one rang pretty true for, uh, I don't know, a lot of us. I, I feel like, uh, you know, you see a pretty woman or a good-looking guy, and you think, oh, they have it made. They have this. And then you realize we all have been through shit. Like, so, and I think every, every uh, guest sort of surprises me in their own way. And she was very forthcoming, very honest, and that's great. And... Uh, so I was I was really pleased with that with that. Um, we, I've just been very lucky with guests, and you know, some people might say, "Oh, well, why don't you get Steven Spielberg?" Is what people say, or uh, Renee Zegwigler. What's well, that's funny. It's, you you haven't gotten it right once, but Zeg- I'm just, but Zeg- I'm just gonna let you keep going. Shit. But you know, look, I'd love to get whoever. You know, I turn down guests. I just. Because I think there's certain guests that are right for the show. And if you have a story, if you want to talk about something that um, I think is going to help people and just you're interesting, I, I love it. But look, of course, I, you know, we always try to get big guests. I mean, show. I know you turn people down, but you did not have to be so rude to Martin Scorsese. You crossed a line. What else is Scorsese going to tell us that we don't already know? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, of course, I get Scorsese. God, that would be genius. Anyway, I want to say thanks to all the patrons out there that my patrons were racking them up. There's 234 or something patrons now who are subscribed to the podcast. And this is a it's, it's called Patreon. Um, and you guys get um, extra footage and you get to ask questions. There's a bunch of stuff. Check it out. Uh, I just want to say I appreciate all you guys and uh, all the sweet cameos that I do. Those are fun. Those are easy. Again, supporting the podcast. You know, you guys know what to do. All right. I've said it. You guys are avid listeners. But if you're new, spread the word. If you like the podcast. Uh, so I could pay Ryan here and the other guys. It's nice to uh, get more people subscribed. And uh, uh, I, you know what's funny? I, I sent an email to all my friends. And I said, guys, can you please subscribe? And most of them hadn't subscribed. These are my friends. Like, hey, dude, look, I subscribed. I'm like, this has been going on for a year and a half. It's free. It's my friends. It's like, dude, subscriptions and downloads are important. This is why. Uh, but they're doing it. And my buddy Harlan, who's a comedian, look at his Twitter. He's like. Hey, buddy, I tweeted it, and like, 
four people already retweeted it, man. You got four more. <laughs> like, thank you, Harlan. Um, but look, I, I love it. Like I said, I, I'm not, no one's ever going to stop me from doing this podcast. I just want it to blow up and, and help more and more people. Uh, trying to get Dr. Drew in the show. So working on him and uh, some other great people. But look, let's get into this podcast. Uh, by the way, I'm going to be in um, Richmond, Virginia on the 28th, 29th with Tom doing a signing. We're doing um, a Smallville Nights, too, on a Saturday night improv show. And I'm also doing a stage it with Jason Manns on Sunday night, which is, I believe, the 20, maybe the 30th, whatever that month Sunday is, the 28th, 29th, it's the 29th of February. We're doing a stage it. So if you go online to stage it, uh, we're going to play a live acoustic show online so you can watch it. Our guest today is from Baldwin, New York. I have uh, known her for a little while. Uh, she was a big heart thro- I mean, heartthrob, dude. Guys just loved her. Women loved her. She has the voice of an angel. We get to sing a little bit on this episode. She's just, and she had a tough life, man. She really divulged so much information. Thank you, Taylor Dane, for fucking being so cool. I know people are going to thank you for this story. So without further ado, let's get inside Taylor Dane. It's my point of view. Listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. You want the thing on there. It's like a condom. Yeah. Protects who, though? You wouldn't know about those, would you? Do you hate condoms? Did you ever think that would be your first question as a guest? On no, the show? do I hate them? I, I, honestly, I'm not that. I'm not a guy. I can't say I'm. I'm wrapped up in. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm just, wrapped you know, up in what? I'm wrapped up in 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 hate. Putting on a condom. You ever see some of them struggle so hard? And I'm like, guy, just you know, find a way to make it happen. But um, no, I've never really had a whole night spent working on a condom. I've pulled one off once and said, not even happened, and thrown it against the wall. Like we're doing this without one. We're taking a chance. Please. I mean, you know, you're from Baldwin. You, you take I'm chances. from Baldwin. I'm you, from Freeport. I'm from Roos. You know, you, we just kept going and going and Roslyn, going. Roslyn, where? No, no. I grew up. Um, don't you watch? How, didn't you listen to Howard Stern? He used to say that Leslie Bundeman, that that Taylor Dane right next door. So we were the Roosevelt, you know, Eddie Murphy, Roosevelt and Freeport and Baldwin. I didn't listen to that interview. Oh, Howard shit. Stern. Well, you know, yeah, I got to listen to that. Why didn't I do my homework? Well, we're on Long that? Island people. Was he cool? Did you like it? Well, did I like him? Yeah. Did I like Long Island? Did you like Howard Stern? Howard's funny. He's 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 definitely changed. I mean, here we are today talking Howard shit. Yeah, it's, Howard's it's cool. so true. He's the one who started it all. He started all this kind of nonsense. He actually, I was, I interviewed Macaulay Culkin, and wow. somehow the show went viral. The uh, some clips or whatever. It was about Michael Jackson or whatever. And it went on Stern. And Stern's reading this stuff. Uh, yeah, so uh, Macaulay Culkin was talking to Michael Rosenbaum inside of you with Michael <laughs> Rosenbaum. Oh, you know, that's a double of- entendre, Rob. And it's like, you know, it's a play on words. And I'm like, fuck yeah. And she's like, um, you know, we like him. He was, he's on Smallville. We used to watch Smallville. You know, he was a big fan. I wow. Blew me away. And I was always bummed. I was like... Gosh, he, he talks about some, my brother would call me in the morning. Goes, dude, Stern's talking about Dude's you. Stern's talking but about you. But I never was on his show. Did he call you Rosie? Uh, no, he just said, uh, you know that Lex Luthor guy. Ju- yeah, he gave you the whole. He's, he's good. I like that guy. He's good. 
But I was always hoping. He takes one, one for the Jew team. He's very good that way. But I wish that I was always like, God, you know, if I got on Stern or Letterman, now that Letterman's gone. Well, he's not gone because he's got that new show, right, Ryan? Yeah. What's that called? He's uh, back. It's the. Uh, why well, ask you one matter. fucking thing? Why are we Ryan? asking Ryan? The no, point is, Letterman's a... coming back, is and hopefully with a shave. Yeah, and hope, hopefully yeah. he cut it Do down. Do not like shave. that. I don't care. I love David. David was always kind to me. Beautiful guy. What year were you on, on Letterman? It's called mm. My Next Guest. Sorry. My oh, next my God. Guest. Definitely you. in the 90s, 93. Definitely, because I remember doing I'll Wait on there. A Did he flirt times. with you? Yes. He liked you, didn't he? Yeah. How'd you know? Did you, I could just tell. He oh, he was you. like, hi. <laughs> Did he call you afterwards? Did he? No. Well, I don't think so. No, not David. No. No. He let that go. He, didn't... he let that sleep. Did you ever sleep with a late show host? <laughs> <laughs> or how about a afternoon show? I've host? seen one naked. Is that as far as it goes, though? Wait, naked? Who'd you see naked? Um, what's that one guy? Um, I think you all know him. We're gonna leave it at that. Not naked, like naked, like and afraid, but naked and like I, I saw him. Like he was definitely working the room. Um, is it someone on, on the air now? Uh, he, he he on and off. Fallon. No, Kimmel. Jimmy. First of all, I party with Jimmy. Jimmy, I adore you. I party with I Jimmy. I love Jimmy. There was, what is Jimmy's not the just, best. Jimmy's unbelievable. He's a sweetheart. He'll come to a house party. Let's throw. A pa- let's throw a party. Will he and come? J- Fallon, of course he'll come. Oh, I don't know Jimmy Fallon. I know Kimmel. And Kimmel's is great. Kimmel's wonderful. Well, I like Jimmy Fallon. I party with him at the Derby. How come you've never come to the Derby with me? I know I went to the, I went to the Derby one time. Who took? Who'd you go with? Uh, I went with some friends, some old, uh, some friends from college, and then. Oh, but you went like you went like you know no, reg- but, no, regular no, people. Shit. No, but name dropping here. Uh, Brookheimer invited me to his party in his house in Kentucky afterwards because I, I play hockey with him. Name That's drop. True. Name drop. And, and I went to his house and it was like he was having his post like uh, derby party and it was like Sigourney Weaver. Oh, you you can't imagine Dude. the eclectic mix. Yeah. Who's the biggest star you've met that you're like, all right, I'm starstruck. Because oh, wow. you've met everybody. Not everybody. I mean, you were the bit. You were the biggest at one time. Like you were the biggest. Like one of the biggest things there. People yeah. wanted. That's the thing when you're hot. People just want you, right? Well, I mean, who haven't? I mean, okay. So Michael Jackson, Prince, right? Those are the Prince definitely threw me off my game because there was a lot to it. Um, what do you mean? There's a lot to it. Now that you can't, you can't, you can't say. I'm not going to talk about that. But whatever. No, it's in the book. My <laughs> read the book. But I have to say, with Prince, it's just he was a funny freaking guy. He was just funny. He was good at everything. So when he came up and just would flirt and talk, and then he's like, you're going to do this. You're going to do that. I'm like, am I? Am I going to do this? Am I going to do that? He goes, yeah, you're coming to Minneapolis. You're going to meet me at my house. You're going to do this. And I'd be like, okay. Like, what do you say? And you did? Yeah. How old were you? What do you mean? I don't know, 25? So you say, yeah, I'm going to go hang out with Prince. Well, I said to my manager, I go, dude, we're going. My Prince is like, he's throwing this party. He's doing this. We're singing after, you know, we're in Frankfurt. Now we're in in Minneapolis, what's the difference? Are you are you fearless? You seem fearless. You, you seem you, like all you guys say that. No, no, no. You do though, because I'm not as I can seem fearless at times. But for someone to just be like, you know, when we when you came in here, I was like, you know, uh, would you sing? She goes, I sing. I don't need anything. I don't need a guitar. I don't need anything. You you don't need a guitar. Like there's this Aww. confidence that you have that you're so. I mean, because your voice is so good. But like some of these people. For instance, Rage Against the Machine. They're coming back, right? And I'm yeah. like, how are they coming back? I love them, but his voice was like, don't fuck you, I won't do what you tell me, <laughs> 30 years ago. 
How is his voice good? How could it possibly be good? But you... But that's not what they're about, is it? Is it the voice? Is it the sound, the texture, tone? Yes. Me, you expect a standard of excellence when it comes to vocal sounds. I but, can't think the guy <laughs> Rage Against the Machine or Henry Rollins or any of that matter. You're really worried about his sound. I mean, he, mm, it's the vibe. You still want to sound good. I just saw Rat, Stephen Piercy. Oh, yeah. Percy, who I love. Percy, yes. Percy. One of the best voices I thought, like in, in heavy metal. God, and you're rock. A, you're a good you're a good one, Rosie. Why is that? I just think that's cool. You know all your bank. Well, you I know? just saw him, and I was just like, you know, I've seen him before, and he's got just this great voice. But he's like in his sixties now, and it's yeah. hard to hit those notes. It's hard. Do you, you got to train like an athlete? Look, you're not I am. right. You're not old, but you train. I train my voice. How do you do it? What do you do? Well, I certainly I people don't know this about me, but I'm operatically trained. I studied operatically to actually have a voice and maintain it and sustain it over a course of a period of time, knowing I would have a career. And my maestro, my my actual teacher, would come to the clubs and go, oh, oh Leslie. <laughs> Leslie Wonderman? Leslie. Yeah, he goes, look, listen, you're going to have the foundation for, you know, having longevity. And that was the key for me. And I always knew I wanted to be a rock and roll star, whatever you want to call it of the day. I never thought I'd be a pop star, dance star, whatever you want to call it, whatever this is. And the music, Rolling Stones said the you were like music. the top 18 in their list of... Uh... Dan- top. Well, here it is. Female artists of all time, 35. I guess it has to do with Come sales. Come on. Well, the that's sales. You've sold 70 million albums? Yeah. 75, some yeah. of that? That's a lot of albums. I think I our band has sold 160 CDs <laughs> in the last three weeks. Left Dude, I feel like that every show I might sell 100 CDs. So don't worry about it. The world has changed. We're all good. We're still here, baby. It's fun, isn't it? Do you still have really a good fun. time? Do you still when really... I tour? Yeah, when I'm on stage and when you're in doing stuff like this, when you're when you have the opportunity to reflect a little bit, think back about it. Yeah, writing. I wrote a memoir the last two three years. I did TED Talk. There's a reason, you know, because people do want to see what it takes to maintain and sustain something. Have a voice. Still have something to say. So um, yeah, I have a good time. Did I you do. get? And get, I have a frustrating time at wealth. What? All right, that's what I want to get into because. Oh yeah. Well, look, you you go to concerts and you sing like, of course, you, we met at Echoes of Hope, which is a wonderful charity yeah, that Stacia, our good friend Station, Luke Robitaille. Uh, I'm on the board. I think I don't know if you're on the board, but you're always there. You're always uh, participating. When I can and support out. them anytime, foster absolutely. youth, go to Echoes of Hope, please, please. Um, and Andy McDowell's there, and I get to introduce her. And oh, like, you like Dan? And they're like, you know, they're like, oh yes, he did. I like you. He's like, you know, Taylor wants you to introduce her. I'm like, all right, yeah, great. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, live from Baldwin, New York. No, She's did. a girl on the rise. How do you differentiate? How do you separate? Like, whether there's thirty thousand people in an arena, or there's like tw- it's a, it's a hundred people for a charity event. Do you still give it your all? Yeah. I think you noticed that. I do, but how do you do that? Okay, I don't know what the thing is with me, but I'll remember this. There was an article written about me in, like, I don't know, um, The Times or some crap when I just sort of broke, but it was like six months, eight months, a year into fame and a year into having successful singles, and I did a thing at the bitter, the bitter End, The Bottom Line in New York City, and I just come off the Michael Jackson tour. <laughs> so you're talking 60,000 people to a room of, you know, where Clive, Dave, all the people, all my, my record reps, all the, the you know, every Every uh, critic in in the town, you know, page six, you name it, was there, and they were like, she tore through this like like she was playing for sixty thousand people. So again, 
I don't think I do that anymore. I think I can read a room a little better. But I mean, I was up there like I was feeding it to the last person down their throat, the last person in the last seat in the in the last. That's, in the back I'll of the be house. honest with you. That's what happened to me because, look, was I a fan of yours? Sure. Yeah. I mean, everybody was a fan of yours. I knew your music. I knew some songs. But sure. then when I heard you that night that you were playing, I was like, okay. And you started singing these songs. This is honest to God, Ryan. Mm. It was like you could have turned on the radio back in 89 and gone, she sounds the same. <sighs> and the uh, energy and the songs. It's like, oh, my God. I, I love that song. That's her? That's her. Wait, she sings that? I didn't know she sings that because everybody loves Tell It To My Heart and all oh this shit. Oh, my God, yeah. Do you hate that song? No. Hell no. You see your hat inside of you? I got one that says Tell It To My Heart. Bam. You don't give a shit. You love it. You well, embrace it. Tell It To My Heart is like I embrace that. Hell yeah. What it's a great title for a song. Did such you write, a great did title. Did you write that song? Nope, I did not. Did you wish you had? Well, who the hell wouldn't? <laughs> That's, That's a like stupid saying, question. Yeah, That's a stupid question. Fucking hell. Yeah. No, it's great. Do it's you write your song. own songs, any of I've them? Re- yeah, of course. What's the biggest one you've written that you, um, that you really love? Well, I wrote a song Tina Turner recorded, made it number one, Whatever You Want. Ooh. I'll Wait, uh, Not Send Me a Lover, um, Born to Sing. Some good songs. What about like working with Diane Warren? Well, you don't really work with her. She just Diane has a song. Sends a song. I write you. you didn't talk to her? You didn't say, Diane? Fuck, I see Diane once a week, if not once a month. She's out there. You talk about a tenacious D. How many it's songs Diane. has she written? It doesn't matter. She still she just puts she used to show to me in the studio. She goes, Do you see this list? And I go, Yeah, and she had a bird on her shoulder. I'm like, I'm not gonna get too close to you, Diane. No matter what it is, that bird's vicious looking. It's coming after people. She always had a parrot on her shoulder. You don't know this? I yet? don't know the story. Oh, I mean, she's just like a rusty. She was like a pirate. She is. Anyway, she's just tenacious D. So I remember in the studio, she goes, you see this list? This is the top 20. She goes, I have this in front of me every week, so I know what the fuck I have to compete with. That's Diane Warren. Still? Well, I can't say still, but you go into her studio. She had this thing where don't touch it, don't dust it. It had the magic juju. Everything was like, don't touch, don't this. That was at Real Songs. Now they have a beautiful building on uh, not too far from the old one. Right up there on How old is Island? Diane Warren, you think? The fuck? I mean, road. Like, you see her once a month. You should know how old she oh, is. Oh, I get. I think we're around the same age. If not, I... I what? You, you, Diane Warren's older than you. She probably might be. Yes. Yes. But she's got the same haircut. She, it's like watching Liza Minnelli or, or Rod Stewart. She looks the same. She looks great. Right. She's in therapy, she'll tell you, seven days a week. It's all good. Did you have a happy childhood? Because... Tough question. Uh, it's not, you know, I can talk to you about dysfunction all day, but my listeners, they know my dysfunction. So they don't want to hear me. They want to know about you because you know what? It helps them okay. navigate through their lives and deal with their shit because you obviously had so much success. What, so if you had dysfunction, what was it? Was it your mother? I sense it's your mother. <laughs> well, let's st- break it down there, Rosie. Break it down. Well, it doesn't happen alone. No, my father was quite a rageaholic. My father was very. My father was an angry. I have parents that are first generation children of Holocaust surviving parents. So, you know, these are families that were broken apart. They come to a country at 15, 16, they get on a boat. My father's father, they come there and then they have arranged marriages. My mother's mother came at 15 from Poland, lost all her family. So these are not happy. I mean, we live in some bubble when we think about it, how We've our, our grandparents, when we know what we know of them, you know, had much suffering. So you're pre- in my you're, case, you're prefacing this like you're you're right now. What you're doing? No, is, mine sucks. We're protecting our parents right now. We're because saying, mine are they, still alive. Right, but are they going to listen to this? 
Probably not. Right. Well, that that makes That's me that fine. Hurt. And that... I wrote the book already, so and I have my father. I just had to like each, you know. Hey, you know what? Now are we talking? What do you want are me to say? Talking... No, it was really brutal. Was it physical abuse? Yeah. Well, and it was not to me. Not I was to... the girl. I was the special one. So you didn't get hit. I got hit once or twice, and that's all I needed. But ver- verbal abuse, the f- emotional abuse. When you say verbal, it's like uh, you suck. You're a piece of shit. You're you're you know. worthless. You don't know what we, you, suffering is. You don't know. You're ungrateful. You're. It uh, would go around the house like a flame. It was like a torch, like a blowtorch. My father was didn't had no. There was no discern. He didn't discern, discern between anything, and mostly he went after my mom and he went after my older brother, and but it didn't matter. Every door flung open, so it was like a drunken rage. Like it didn't matter, and it was usually three, four, five in the morning. It didn't matter. So PTSD, ha! Huh? You like, still have PTSD. I don't see how you can on a cellular level. I mean, since the time I could remember, I was watching doors open, and that caused me to have massive issues internally by four or five I had I was hospitalized for bladder and kidney infections and bleeding in my yes in my all urine. from stress and just overwhelmed. Well, I held everything in sure I held it all in. I'm getting anxiety right now still or just watching me listening to the story Ryan I mean, it's, it's, it lives it's, inside of me. It's part of the urgency I have. It's part of that also passion you see because I had one thing one thing only and I said this thing's gonna fucking get me out of here and that was my voice since five years old, four years old, that was the deal. Well, tell me this. Did your yes. father, was were they, you know, like uh, supportive? Were they like- uh, About the it- arts? They're Jews from Long Island. from Actually from New York, yes. My parents were incredibly supportive. So even though he was drunk, even though he was- He ab- never drank. He not, but he was abusive verbally and physically and all these things. He still managed to say, hey, you're really good. Do you understand Sundays in the Wonderman household was like family day? My parents were avid theater goers. My mother had a beautiful voice, gave it up, obviously, when they got married and wasn't really, you know, for them, the arts was an expression and it was a way to get out of the shithole of their lives. And it was theater. They were, blo- they were members of the pap, the mom, the mama, right? It was incredible. I would see the most off, off, off Broadway stuff. And it really framed my childhood Sunday, if my father woke up on a decent side of the bed, you know, there was three of us and I had only brothers growing up. I had two brothers. Does it kind of make sense now? Middle child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A bit of a middle so child. I've always played with the boys, like understood, like mentally, like that's, and very comfortable. I love my girlfriends, but like, I'm just saying like, that's where it was. I found no protection there, no solitude. So your I brothers didn't protect you at all. No. Did anybody protect them? Did anybody stand no. up to your father at no. all one time? No. Any any neighbor? No. no. Someone no. say, "Hey." No. It was all fear in that house. Unfortunately, my mom played the victim role really well. So my anger more went towards her as a child. I saw my father as more, you know, as the stronger of the two. So I went in that direction. I held on to that as something that nobody will ever hurt me. Nobody will ever get inside. Nobody will ever. So I think that's the ferocity, you know, the ferociousness in some level that you see. But at the end, it's it's such a price to pay because you 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 cut off. I, like I remember sitting outside on. I grew up in apartments, so I remember sitting outside on the wall. We used to call it the wall, and I was like, that shit that's going on in that house right now. Nobody's ever going to do that to me ever ever. And I mean, I've lived by it. I raised two children by myself. I hired a surrogate. I've done it as immaculately and as controlling as you can. And I don't mean that to say there's no vulnerability. There's no, I mean, my kids are incredible and I have 
wouldn't change a thing, quite frankly, other than I have to look at my life and go, wow, I have really, uh, by design, kept it so, I don't know, what would you call Controlled, it? Controlled? There's maybe? that word, sure. I mean, you you were trying to have somewhat, some kind some of control on- and Safety, anything, yeah. Safety. I just, well, I used to get panic attacks like crazy. You talk about anxiety. So it started with massive bladder, kidney infections. It all starts in the gut. That's what I hear. It all, does start all that in the gut. Stuff. So oh, that was four or five years old. I'm bleeding. I'm, you know, I'm hospitalized and we do massive surgery. All this, this invasive stuff by, on a five and, four and five-year-old girl. It was traumatic. I've had to go back many times through many different therapies and, and modalities and try to visit that girl, my that little girl, and try to heal her, help, hold her. And I feel like I'm in a best place now with her um, just to let her, you know, know that she's beautiful and loved, you know? In those days, I was in the hospital in the late 60s, early 70s. Uh, parents don't sleep with the children. They don't get to stay in the hospital ward. I don't get nervous when I go into terminally ill children's wards and things like that. I know exactly what they need. They need they need to be hugged. They need to be slept with. They need to be held, and they need people around them. They don't want to. There's no there's no pity there. There's no party going on. It's just like let's be friends. Let's hang out. Let's have. So I get it. All right, you're gonna make me cry. Aw. Start talking about the kids and stuff too. That's it. Yeah, but they're beautiful. No, but I I, I go to the you know the Ronald. McDonald's I don't go house. there and feel like I can't do this. I go there and I feel like a warrior. Like I've been exactly where you are. I made it through. You know what they need. You know, I know what they need. They need not to be looked at like that. They, they need... just want to get escape. They want to, they want hugs. They want love. They want affection. They want to play. They, they want to be, be kids. in the world. Dude, you know what it's like to be locked up in a hospital? I do. And not being able to look out. You look out that little window. I used to look at that little Kodak cube and look at my brothers. I mean, that stuff was rough. And there wasn't anybody there. I, you know, I became the prankster. I became the, the comedian, right? So the nurses would come spend more time with me. Do you think you did a lot of this? Because I know I did. Whatever I did, whatever it took to make my father laugh, to make him smile, to make him whatever. And I knew that the only way I was really accepted as a kid is to crack jokes, to be funny, to do this. To then I did a play, and I'm like, oh, you're oh, this guy's fun. So not being me was always the thing. So even to this day, it's like, hey, I got to make so someone so laugh. I've got to entertain. I've got to do this. So there's a sense of like, this is what's going to make him happy. I have to make him happy. You know, and I've talked to a lot of people about this. It's just like Andy McDowell was on here yeah. and she talked about working with Bill Murray. And I think she, yeah. he was probably like a father figure to her in a way. But she just came to work every day. How do I make Bill laugh? How do, How I, do make I make Bill out? happy? How do I? So you start doing things for other people. So do you think you were like, oh, I want to be successful. So they love me. So they you, you, that wasn't the case. Not that way. No, I, I, I basically put a hand up a wall and I just said. I'll never be in that position to force anybody to love me. They're going to see it because I'm going to bring my best A game, right? They're going to know how much I want this, how badly I want it. That's why you feel that. I, I want that so badly when I'm on stage. Um, it became very evident to me that laughter and being that little girl that was at least funny was going to get me attention from somebody. Now, is it with the voice? Is it with, for you, is it comedy? Whatever it was, you'd get attention and a positive. And what that does to me is a seed. It's a seed of your your abilities, right? So we, you took something that was a fragment of, of what you were actually good at and you formed it. You you know, you 10,000 houred it. You just blew it up. And, and that's really what I believe, you know, is the foundation. Everybody has something. Everybody. 
everybody's born with that gift, that, that, that seed of some sort of, and for me, it was my voice. I heard it. I had a natural ear and, uh, it's you knew what, it, you felt it. you loved it. You knew you had something different. You said, I've got to just go with this. Well, it, I got attention for it. Just like you did. If you got a smile from your father, that's attention. And from attention from, from somebody saying, wow, you're good. I got that from a music teacher in school when I was in kindergarten. Next thing you know, I had a solo, right? I'm the only kindergartner with a solo with the third grade, with the glee club. So it just forms from there. But you know, from there, that's the only place where you're feeling good, right? It's a high. It's, it's that place, except it was a, thank God, a natural and, and something that was at least a healthy diversion, if you will. But in my mind, I was like, well, you hear that radio? You hear this little thing? My father gave me that little transistor radio. Do you hear that voice? Who's that? Holy shit. That's Stevie Wonder. Wow. His life looks really happy. He <laughs> looks happy. And not only that, he's getting paid. You know what I mean? And he's got a lot of girlfriends. And why do you think you did it? Rosie? And he's blind. Well, that was his problem. Not the exact everybody's problem. Like, Look at right. the, I mean, I heard Aretha Frank. I heard a lot of people on that. You know, Marvin Gaye. Everybody has something. There's always something you're fighting against. Inside of You is brought to you by Neurohacker, Qualia Synaletic. Let me tell you something. If you haven't tried this, you are missing out. I just sent this to my mom. I have it. I use it. It's a product that I didn't, I, they weren't even my sponsor when I was using this. And I was like, wow, why do I have more focus or energy? Why do I feel better? Why do I feel different? It's because I take Qualia Synaletic, Neurohacker. Look, if someone would have told me, Ryan, that there are science-backed ingredients that could help me feel 15 years younger in a matter of months, I wouldn't have believed it. But uh, I tried quiacinolytic, and the rest is history. As we age, everyone accumulates senescent cells in their body. Senescent cells may cause symptoms of aging, such as aches and discomfort, slow workout recoveries, sluggish mental and physical energy associated with that middle-aged feeling. Also known as zombie cells, they're old and worn out and not serving a useful function for our health anymore, but they could be taking up space and nutrients from our healthy cells. Much like pruning the yellowing and dead leaves off a plant, Qualia Senoletic helps remove those worn out senescent cells to allow for the rest of them to thrive in the body. And... You just take it two days a month. The formula is non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and the ingredients are meant to complement one another, factoring in the combined effect of all the ingredients together. And Neurohacker Quiacinolytic has a 100-day money-back guarantee. Oh, I have, I have more energy. Uh, I feel younger. Uh, I'm more productive. I will tell you that. I'm more productive. And uh, I feel like I have, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more enthusiastic about my life. I definitely feel that, and uh, for me, the aches and pains are less lessened by this, so that is a real important thing for me. Help resist aging at the cellular level, folks. Try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com slash inside. Neurohacker, N-E-U-R-O-H-A-C-K-E-R. Neurohacker.com slash inside for up to $100 off and use code inside at checkout for an additional 15% off. That's neurohacker.com slash inside for an extra 15% off your purchase. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here has been using it for a while. And I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp, 
when you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss a session? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash inside. Did your father ever break down and just cry to you and say- All the time. Even today? My father came into the room after those explosives moments in my room. Right after he exploded? Hell no. Three hours later, when I'm talking about things that have no, when you're on eggshells and when you're in a PT, you know, a, a traumatic, you're, you're, there's no certainties. There was no certainties when my father came back, how many times the door would slam and he'd leave and when he'd come back. So I was constantly in hypervigilance of listening. I always was listening. I was listening when he came home to get myself ready, prepared for war all the time. So then he would come in and he'd stand at the door. You're my favorite child. You're my, the love of my life. You're so special. You're this. That's so fucked, in a isn't deep, it? Well, if you talk to a therapist now, sure. At the time, it made me feel secure that I knew I was really ultimately loved. But you know what? In relationships, it made me have to watch mm. somebody crawl through fire to love me, I think, on some level. That, I mean, that had to fuck up your relationships. I'm sure it has. I mean, I look at you now and I look at me and we're both single. Yeah. And I wonder... If, you know, seeing dysfunction, so much dysfunction as a kid made us just go, ah, I don't know. I don't, it's, it's, I, I, I can guarantee it, but what it, is it? What is it that you like, do you want to be with somebody? Like, have you been massively in love, you know, madly yeah. in love with someone where you're just like, fuck, this is it. Yeah, I have. You have. Yeah. And you felt safe and it wasn't dysfunctional till I didn't feel safe. And what didn't make you feel safe? Um, well, lack of commitment, moving it to the next, something that wasn't moving it. Although my best relationships, when you think about them, although I wasn't invested in it because I was completely invested in fame and moving my career all through my 20, I mean, that was my investment. I married this and I, all I, and I, it wasn't for women like, oh, you can get pregnant and have a career. We weren't Cardi being it back then. It was like, you don't talk about who you're fucking, you don't get pregnant and you stay on the road. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. That's how it was. And like, usually it's your boyfriend. That's, you know, what boyfriend was running my show? I wasn't Patty Benatar. I wasn't Debbie Harry. They weren't the lead guitar player. I wasn't, you know, I was. Well, because Pat Benatar was married to her lead well, guitarist. They, they were had on the road this protection. They had uh, this, name? you know, who really is fought, who did it? Madonna on her terms, on her, 
you know, did it her way. You know, Mariah went right in, had Tommy Mottola, like, fighting the fight for her. I mean, this is not a simple thing. In my case, I guess I didn't want anybody fighting the fight. I mean, were you dealing with guys that were like, oh, we don't, you don't have any time for me. You're alone. Like, and it didn't matter. I was like, I'm, this is my career. I don't give a not shit. Not in my 20s. Like, not like that. I just didn't look at things. Not until I was 29 was the first relationship where I could say that I was actually the clearest and, and fame. I'd already been in the fame game five years. And that first relationship and it was very impactful and it set me I asked right into therapy and you know what for the betterment it was incredible and couples and everything and at the end of the game I did my best and he couldn't move the needle forward are you better alone do you feel are you just happier alone sometimes I really am isn't that funny how sometimes it's I mean I'm not gonna say sometimes like I think about this a lot. Are you thinking about this a lot in your life? Like, I do think about it. I love, I mean, I love my life, but I do recognize that I'm getting older and that there's also this part of me that I do love having a part. I do love sharing things with somebody. Of course. Rosie, let's just hook up, I guess. What, what are we That's waiting it. for? We have to use a rubber? No. <laughs> we throw it against the wall. Ryan, how you doing over there, buddy? <laughs> Ryan, Ryan's watching. Like- Ryan, you're always in a relationship. Always? I mean... Ryan's no. 10. He's 29. <laughs> when 29? I had, well, I had 31. many relationships then. Have you, I really you, did. You have ever had relationships with younger guys now? Uh, mm, Yeah, usually like a 10-year spot. 10-year, but what about older guys? And my age. And, and, and because younger guys were just... I was kind of like, nah, not much. You always like older guys. No, I don't. N- I mean, I was, not even when you were younger. Uh, you seem like the kind of person that would date like a 30-year-old if you're 20. But when I was 25, how many 30-year-olds were dating me? I don't know. I it was age. It was just, you know, either I'd never dated musicians. I didn't want to. I really didn't. Um, were you promiscuous? Were you like somebody who was just going out and saying, fuck it, I'm going to go play. I'm going to rock and roll. I'm going to party at night. I'm going to F. Yeah-ish. I did. Yeah. I don't know about if it was promiscuous. I mean- that's a, it's I'm still a word a woman. That makes, I would. Right. I know. I I get it though. Like, I mean, if two bodybuilders walk in my bus. Am I going to get ooh odd? But if two Playboy chicks walked in your bus, you'd be like ooh and ah. Two yeah. guys come in my bus, I'd be like, this is the, the the silliest shit I ever saw. I didn't take men serious that way. If they were hunting me down, right. usually a businessman or something like that. But I mean, in my twenties, it was game it was game on. Thirties, still game on. But I fell in love at twenty nine. Super like on another level. And he was a massive, he was a chef. He was very well renowned. He was world renowned. And there was a lot of things to it and it was complicated. But at the same time, I found, I figured out what love was. Was it heartbreaking when it ended? It ended multiple times. So certain ones were heartbreaking. And then at the end, I pulled the trigger. Is it, do you fear the, like, I I picture that little girl who's just feeling like, I just, I don't feel safe. Uh, You know, when's my father going to come in? When is he going to leave? What's going to happen? It's unpredictable. I don't feel safe. I don't feel safe. Is that sort of what relationships are like? You're just like, I don't trust. I don't trust. You have to prove your trust. You have to prove it. I still don't trust you. You're going to fuck me. Here it comes. Or when's it coming? I'm not going to say no. I'm not going to say no at all. To All of that is there's it's cellular, babe. It lives in your body. It showed that to me at four years old. It lived in my body. All that rage had to go somewhere. I didn't act out. My brother, my older brother acted out. My older brother from the rage was, th- he's three years, four years older than me. He was the one that was bullied every day after school. He, they put a ring of kids around him and beat the shit out of him. And I said, that's never going to be me. I made rules with myself. That's never going to be, that's not going to be, that's me. And I really held on to them like hardcore. Like, what did your brother do? I mean, now that business, got, 
No, did he get he got beat up? Did he ever turn it around like and fight back? Did he ever? Uh, I mean, he just wasn't. He had no. He, like to me, I was like, dude, why are you always like? Why are they coming after you? It's like he just didn't know how to socially get out of shit. Like you socially know how to get out of things. You knew, you you knew how to work a room. I, that's but what I would I get call. hit. I would get the shit beat out of me because um, I was really small and weak. I was the smallest kid in my high school, mm. and I remember. So you were bullied? Oh, yeah. I was bullied for sure. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I could tell you times. So but, when did you turn it but around? I also, with what? It was with, the, it was with the joking. It was with the comedy. Right. It was with the, the, the people just like, you know, I had friends that just liked being around me. But I, when did chicks start digging College. You? I started to grow there in college. And then guys like Kyle Finn, like the big guys that yeah. lived next door. and They don't. Um, they protected you. There was this, also this one guy, Thomas Gaddis. He was this Greek guy. But him and this guy, Woody... They all thought I was so funny, and they were big football players, and they just protected me. Yeah. I remember Thomas Gaddis. This is a non sequitur, but it made me laugh because it was the day. It was at, um, those guys that wore their jeans backwards. Crisscross. <laughs> oh, you remember geez. those guys? Yeah. What was that song? You know that know. song? Yeah. yeah. What was that song? Crisscross. Make it jump. Uh, jump. Jump. Yeah. <laughs> Daddy jump, Mac will jump, make it jump jump, jump. 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 Right. You remember that shit? Yeah, sure. So I remember Thomas Gaddis. He hung out with a bunch of like black football players and everything. So he started to try and act black, I guess, in a way. Yes, we know I that. Love, I love him. But he, I mean, he just was like, he was kind of a little bit of a, you know, it was like, yeah, what's hood, up, ladies? What's up? Boy, yeah. He was a little bit like that. That was mm-hmm. just his style. And he was cool and he was good looking. And he was like, he was what a stud. What college are we talking Western about? Western Kentucky University. He didn't need a big J- Kentucky? GPA. Kentucky? Yes. What'd you think was going to happen? So, but I loved him. But I remember one time that he's... Well, <laughs> Where'd spot- you grow up? In Indiana, but hang on. But I listen. <laughs> I remember this this moment in college where this guy's walking down the hallway. This dude and he, uh, no, this this girl. She's drunk at two in the morning down the football dorms, right? Mm. And she's yelling. Thomas Gaddis changed his name instead of Thomas. He took the T H O M A S and changed it to Thamal. Thomas Gaddis became Thamal Gaddis. I got it. So this girl would go down the hallway yelling, drunk, Thamal! 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 And this big black dude comes down and goes, Thamal's clothes, bitch. Now go, <laughs> go to sleep. Thamal's clothes. Thamal's clothes! And anybody of my, my buddies listening to this. It. I loved it. But anyway, yeah. these guys protected me because I was goofy. I funny. I did tons of impressions. Nobody had heard impressions. I was uh, in you know, Western Kentucky. They used to give me money at parties, put dollar bills in, in yeah. a thing. I'd make 15, 20 bucks doing like um, Dice Clay or doing Fire Marshal Bill or doing Rodney Dangerfield. And that's how I got out of beatings, I think. But sometimes my mouth would get the best of me where somebody would say something. I, oh, that's pretty funny. Was that original? Or did your dad write that? Sarcasm. Or, and I would get smacked. Or because I, I like, wow, this guy is making me feel like shit. I feel intimidated. Fuck him. I'm going to make this big fuck hurt because everybody's going to make fun of him now. And I'd say something really funny. And he'd go, what the fuck? And everybody'd laugh at him, and he'd fucking Get knock mad, me down. He'd rage out. So that's that's yeah. sort of that. Well, I had the opposite. Like I always said, that's never going to happen to me. I said that at five. I sat on the wall. I told you at six, and then I put myself in the circle where they I had protection. So I hung out with all the kids that people didn't expect me to hang out with. I did all that, but I had a 
a treaty with myself. You're not going to get fucked up. You're not going to do this. You're not going to do that, Taylor. You're just going to like Leslie, whatever you want to call it, Leslie Joy Wonderman. And uh, that's the real name. I think you've seen enough of the men in my life. I always went with the, you know, somebody I felt protected with, safe with and something of that nature. And that would get me on an intrinsically on a on a bigger scale because I I definitely am not anybody's arm candy, quite the opposite. And I always felt like I need to feel like they have my back. Do you ever see any of your parents come out in you like that temper, that darkness, yeah. that fuck you, and then go, oh, my God. I And then you have that feeling, that numbing of like, oh, my God, I'm my father. I'm a mom all by myself. Yeah. I see it. Of course. I have a son who's 17. We're at the wall. I have twins. They're 17. I'm at the wall. But they are the coolest kids ever. And yet I know. I mean, it's tough. I walked out on a relationship, the one, the one I thought it was, after seven, we met right when before the kids and after, and I just remember saying, I'm not going to let you show my son what being unloving is. Not going to let you. I'm not going to let this kid turn on me. And he tries all the time. I what still got do? the cards. My kid? Yeah. Levi? He's a tough mother freaker. He's uh Is he a big kid? He's football. Football? Does he know Thamal? <laughs> yeah. Tylenol. He knows codeine, Tylenol, and murine, too. What is it? Does he drink? Does he get in trouble? Nope. So what is it? It's his mouth? He brought a third party into our relationship in the house. What do you mean a third party? A girlfriend. Mouth, like, tough. His girlfriend's tough. Well, it's not his girlfriend anymore, please, dear God. But yeah, he just needed some... Somebody started fighting his battles between... You know, he has a twin sister. It was just... Not, not so wait a minute she was fighting his battle so she was mouthing off to you yeah so she was saying shit like what do you know just because you had this oh she didn't have the balls to say it to my face but it was going it was things were going around so oh i'm not mm-mm. do you raise your voice of course does the bald one uh freeport uh come out oh yeah how yeah well no not off it, it, when when i mean it like i've told as an athlete i'm i'm sprinter Give me an example. Like if I pissed you off and you just lost it for a second, you're one of those people that are just like, give me a little bit of something. Like if I was like, I'm not fucking doing that. Don't tell me what to do. Really? Yeah. All right, audience. Don't judge, but we all got this. Motherfucker, I will rip your goddamn fucking eyes out. How do you like that? Just like that. Pretty much or harder. But I think that's moms. Moms do that. That's what I think. Of course. My dad used to say, I will beat oh, you to us, a pulp. I will beat you to a pulp. A pulp? Yeah, well. That's what my dad said. One more goddamn word out of you. I will beat you to a pulp. Yeah, I agree. But I mean, coming out of my mouth, it doesn't sound the same. I think it's cute. Ryan? <laughs> Ripping eyes out? Yeah. yeah for I sure. mean, she doesn't mean it. He knows she's, she's not going to actually rip the child. But that's eyes, what my huh? daughter says. She goes, he knows at the end of the day you're not going to do it. Like I'm like, this is too <laughs> much. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> Dude, I took your car away. I took your phone. I took everything. What about guys with the girl, with with your daughter? Oh, she, my my daughter hits home runs. What do you expect? This is how I came. What do you mean hits home runs? Okay, so nobody bullied me. Let's start. Nobody, I hung out with the the cool, I, I made sure I had a plan since five. 
that I wasn't going to get my, as I watched my brother who was in sixth grade when I'm in, in fourth, second grade, get his ass kicked out there by all the hot, whatever football players. I go, no one's going to touch me. I'm going to always be the cool chick in the cool crowd and just make sure I skimmy by all this. No arrests, no priors, no nothing. Just make sure you stay on your game. T dizzle. And that's what I did. So all those tough mother freakers and all the this and all that other that, they were had my back. Do you really think like when your parents say that your parents were alive? Yeah. Do they still, they still obviously say they love you. Do you roll your eyes when they say I love you? No. Do you believe me. them? Babe, not over the last 10 years. No. Over I'm, the last 10 years, everything seems to have come together. For me. Forgiveness. Forgiveness I, is the, not, when you say forgiveness is the most important, grateful and forgiveness. Those are probably the two biggest words there are, there most are words. words. I think forgiveness is something um, you work on with yourself first. And as you do it with partners, as you find these these people in your life that you have these these relationships with over time, of course, it starts with our family. It starts with our brothers. It starts with our mother and father. Of course it does. So as you work it out and you come back to this nucleus of being a parent or whatever, in my case, 18 years ago um, – I've spent a lot of time working it out. But do you recommend anything? Like I've done Hoffman, the Hoffman process. I, I, that's word of mouth. What's that? And, oh, it's. We'll talk about that. What about EMDR? Yeah, I did. I did a little I bit of that. I think that that really helped me. And boy, did, did I. It? Holy shit. I was like, this isn't going to help me. In fact, my therapist was like, if you guys don't know EMDR, it's for post-traumatic stress disorder. And um, I, I, I didn't think I had it. I was like, no, no, no. This is for really like vets. Who in, in wars, they it's kill a ta- people. It was tapping, the- it's called. It's EMDR, right? It's tapping. It's a, uh, yes. It's a behavior modification tool. And I, I. Well, it's not all tapping. I, she, she, it, for this, it was. Yeah, you can do your own. Yeah. Yeah, you can do your own. But it was like eye, rapid eye movement. Mm-hmm. The rapid eye movement. Yeah. And I just felt like the first time I met with this woman, and it was amazing. She, well, she was like, yeah. I go, what about the EMDR? She goes, yeah, uh, we're not going to do that. I'm like, okay. And I was thinking, I'm not right for this. I'm not good enough for EMDR. I haven't suffered enough. And that's one of the major issues, I think, with people in general. When they have problems, they start to compare their problems with other people's problems. Meaning that they go, oh, my problem isn't as big as that. So I should just shut up or I shouldn't do anything about it. And that is the wrong way to go because your problems are affecting you and you've got to take – you've got to – You've got to work on them. You've got to and, – and for me, I didn't think EMDR was right for me. I didn't think I had PS, PTSD. Well, how high was your anxiety? Pretty good. I had pretty good anxiety. In fact, Did you have panic attacks? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, Starting yeah. I when? had them when I was acting. Like what's funny is um, I thought my – I thought the anxiety was just part of me. I thought the anxiety wasn't anxiety. It I thought is it was, part of you. But I thought it was just an energy that oh. I didn't like, but it was just part of me. And then I realized how unhealthy it was and how I was in fight or flight all the time and how I, I was unhappy. And, um, you know, I started noticing it in my work and I, I'd have anxiety attacks. I wouldn't be um, sleeping well. I wasn't eating. I changed my whole life. I went, I talked to this. I haven't talked about it in a while, but I went to this wellness facility and I, I, fuck, I, for the first time in my life, I had a routine. I had structure. I got on a better nutritional program. I, yeah. I was taking EMDR. The post, the, and by the way, when I did take that, finally the third time, she, I, she tapped into something. I was yeah. talking about something that happened in my life. She goes, I think you're ready. I go, what? She goes, I think you're ready. You want to do this? I go, want to do what? And I got scared because that part of me that, oh, I want to please her. I want to make sure I do this right. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? You're in therapy. This is for you. I still couldn't. So she got me into this moment where I stayed there. She goes, I want you to stay there. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. When you open them, I want you to watch my finger go back and forth. And I want you to stay with it. Stay with that moment. 
And I'm telling you, within 30 seconds of opening my eyes, I was Ball State University. I was fucking, it was the ugliest cry you've ever seen. Wow. It was like I couldn't control it. And boy, did it feel good, man. Mm. I tell my friends sometimes, I'm like, you know what you need? We, we, we have these emotions in us that just like we're too tough. We'll just say, oh, like you said, well, they're fine. And they get, get bottled up more and more. And the more and more they get bottled up, what happens? Your gut. Your yeah. all these things start to happen, right? These manifestations they come out in different ways, and uh, with ticks and things that you do, and discomfort and pain. Well, usually, it comes down to the decisions. You can live with it for so long, and then, of course, you know it'll eat you up physically. I mean, for me, I had it very young age. Well, yeah. When you talk, this is the thing about panic attacks and phobias. I, mean, I was clinically diagnosed agoraphobic by fifteen. That's the fear of open places. Correct. So, and I never really spoke about it, but my biggest fear was that I couldn't be a star if I couldn't get anywhere. So what you do is you do create safe places, right? And imagine a 15-year-old, well, because I went to France, my parents forced me to go on this bike trip in the middle of nowhere. I got sexually molested on it, drank every night. All these things happen, right? I said, and here I started with my parents forced me. It was a youth hostel trip. It was supposed to be a trip of a lifetime. And I'm like, you have no idea. It was Lord of the Flies. But it was all part of everything before that, bulimia, right? A girl trying to control all the things you hear everybody, every child that you've ever known. And for you, all you're trying to do is control the environment around you. You don't want to get beaten up. You want to be liked, right? You want to come out with decent grades. You have no idea what the future holds, especially when we were going to college, other than I had a game plan. Fame looked good. People on the radio were like my idols, and I knew they had a better life than I could ever have, sitting where I was sitting in Baldwin, New York. At panic attacks so agoraphobia and how i got through those was is just step by step one stop off a subway one stop off the lir one stop off a you know and that's what it takes eye rapid movement i mean yeah. so those are all those behavior mod- if those you, tools if, yeah if you suffer from things like that, there's there's many things out that you just have to explore but like for me except the xanax usually in the valium <laughs> that's where it get gets away from little- it i'm off all that shit I don't do I don't do any Xanax. I don't do any pain pills. I was doing it. I had to take Xanax to sleep. I had to take this. And I go, what are you doing, man? I don't want to live like this for the rest of my fucking life. It's really messing me up. It really it's and you realize you are addicted. Even though I wasn't taking tons of pills, I was addicted. I was. I was addicted to it. And I wanted to take a Norco at two in the afternoon just to have a couple hours of relief. I get it. I was looking for any fucking relief I could get. And you know what I do now? I try to once a week. I'm like, man, I have a, I have emotions inside of me. Like I've been talking to my grandma and she's alone and she's, she's sad and makes me all these things with family. And my, I'll just go downstairs by myself at night. No one's here. Cause I'm alone. I'm single. And I will, I go, what's a movie that, what's a scene from a movie that, you know, gets you. And I'll watch a scene from whatever the fuck, whether it's a cheesy movie that gets me every time, even if it's five minutes, I won't dwell in it. I won't keep watching that scene over and over and I will fucking cry. I will get some shit out of my system and it feels so fucking good and I'll go up and I'll sleep. And I just want to fucking take a few minutes to just feel, to feel, to be real, to be like, I'm feeling this. This is, uh, these are emotions. This is something I, it just, I I don't know what it is, but when I, when I went to that place and I started crying, like you talk about safe places, I felt safe. First time in my life, I felt safe. I told him that. And that's why crying was like, I, I always felt like I was a puss if I was crying. I don't cry in front of my friends. And the next thing you know, I'm crying. And she goes, are you okay? We get stuff. I go, no, this is fucking great. I, 
It feels good. I want to fucking cry. This is, you know, it well, was, it was it's it vulnerability. Was, and that's yeah. a tough, I, it sounds like that's a tough thing for you and myself, myself. I know for sure. You don't cry in front of people a lot, do you? I don't, I, well, no. Do you cry in front of like guys you date? Have I? Yeah. Is it hard for you? No, I don't think the crying part is hard. What's the hard part I think is allowing yourself to get to that place that you can be, instead of making decision to leave, making a decision to stay and work through something means that you got to get vulnerable. You know, it's funny. They say that about anxiety. They say, if you're having an anxiety attack, don't leave the scene of the crime. Stay there, stay in it, fucking feel it. And yeah. you ha otherwise you run. Every time you go back to a situation like that, you'll run. You'll, you'll, well, you'll that's have that how anxiety. you become phobic. That's what phobias really are. You become a scared, like a, a dog. If a dog attacks you, if it's dogs, dogs, next thing you know, you hear a dog bark and you're, you're that anxiety. It's somatic. It'll happen. It goes in your body. Did you think we were going to talk about getting so deep today? I don't know, baby. I mean, honestly, you look a little bit maybe like, wow, I thought we were going to talk more about my career and all this stuff, but we've been, talk no. we've been talking about your life. I love it. I'm good. I like it. I, I, I love spent this. a summer doing this crap. You can't. What do you mean you spent a summer? Um, this summer I had a couple of health things when you, when you start getting a couple of health things and one of them had to do with my, my voice. So polyps I did. And what does that mean when you get a polyp? Uh, well, when you sing like I do, it means that you have developed a, um, I burst some capillaries on my vocal cords from overworking and doing and doing. And at my age, I guess I didn't recover as well. Like an athlete, I didn't recover. So I had to get surgery to get them removed. So that was a month of not talking, six weeks of not singing, speaking, everything, and then retraining. And it was scary and it was a lot and it was a juggle. So I had to go inside and figure out what was going on. And it was, the quiet was unbelievable. And I went to a couple of places that really supported that. And one of them similar to what you did, not a, a wellness, however you want to call it. And one of them was the Hoffman process. I did the Hoffman Institute and that was deep work. That was in August, but deep is where you got to go sometimes. Expensive? No, not really. Probably cheaper than the one I went to. Jesus. Well, I don't know what you did, baby. <laughs> if you're our sponsors, please keep signing up. Uh, no, it was worth it. Um, yeah, it's worth it. Well, I'm glad you're doing well. You yeah. look, by the way, this is the best I've seen you look. Are you serious? I swear to God. That's that's the truth. I'm not, I, I, I promise to God I wouldn't have said that. I When you walked up, I was like, Fuck, you look great. Not that you never look great. Yeah. You just look better. Yeah. Amen. You know, people, a lot of women or guys, they get upset when people say, that, oh, you look really good. No, I and know what like, you Wait mean. Wait a minute. What do you mean? As opposed to last month, you fucking cock. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's true. It's like yeah. uh, my dad said on the phone, he's like, you look thin. I'm like, well, I'm on a nutritional thing. I'm, I'm working. I'm trying to get better shape. He's like, you look too thin. I hate being too thin. No. Dude, it's just the same. If you call a guy thin, it's the same thing as having a girl, calling a girl fat. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Girls wouldn't think of that that way, but it's true. No, I mean, but no, I hear you. I hear you. You know, what I mean? hear, yeah, I do. It means you're not cut. Means you're not fit. But you, I, your father doesn't get it. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? What do you mean he doesn't get it? Yeah, you're lean. You're a you lean don't machine. Get it. I'm a lean machine. You're not thin. You're a lean machine. I'm a lean machine. You know what? I, I wanted you. See, now after you talk about your polyps, mm -hmm. I don't like the name polyps. I wish they'd change them. Oh, honey. Polyps. Jackson polyps. Maybe call them a Jackson polyp. It's really nasty. Think Are they about just it. like growths on your? Uh, I burst. Um, I sang on a heavy duty fever and stuff like that, and I burst uh, capillaries. And what happens is, it's like a 
what is this like a when you get whatever you call it like a, what? when you're lifting weights and you get these things uh, on, what are they called callus a callus but the thing is a polyp is a bump so you keep singing on it you don't rest it and it can continue to grow scar tissue all over it and that's what happens and that's what happened because i didn't stop the uh, jam look at rosie picks up a guitar ryan how much how much input do you have on this stuff on what he's about to do yeah anything he does <laughs> like how do we... how slow i feel the night what wow, is it is, yeah okay i feel the night explode when we're together there you go emotion overload in the heat of pleasure will take me i'm yours into your arms never let me go tonight i really need to know tell it to my heart Tell me I'm the only one Is this really love or just a game? Tell it to my heart I can feel my body rock every time you call my name There you go on the fuck on Yes Dude, you that you can just sing like that That You see how We need another better song Look All at right. you, Rosie What do you want to sing, girl? <clears throat> oh my god, I love the kiss doll you know Jim Croce? I know Hall and Oates. Shit, do I know Hall and Oates? There you go. Remember this? What is this? Opera? Well, I know it's kind of late. I, I hope, hope I didn't, didn't wake you. What well, I gotta say can't wait. I hope you understand. Every time I try to tell you, the words just came out wrong. So I have to say I love you in a song. Isn't that a good one? Cat mm-hmm. Stevens. Ooh, took my love, took it down. So you can sing anything. What's your favorite music to sing? Oh, well. Favorite music? Just a song that's inspired me. What's your who's your favorite artist? Ooh, Aretha Franklin. No, I mean Aretha was totally incredible, but I have to say Joni Mitchell—not uh, just an artist, like anything from Blue, anything from Ladies of the Canyon—that was just profound stuff for me. That was that. It's a fifteen-year-old, sixteen-year-old girl. And just it was just KCU, right? Mm-hmm. Gladys Knight. Gladys. Midnight Train to Georgia could be my favorite. It's one of my favorite songs of all time. I just sang something at her uh, 75th birthday, and it wasn't Midnight Train to Georgia. Of course she did. But I did, um, because you're the best thing that ever happened to me. I think soul, something that has some relevance to emotional, like, angst against something that's a happy chord, like Gap Band, like Charlie Wilson. You dropped the bomb on, so like a funky verse, right? (laughs) Yeah, Bruno to... Mars has nailed that, hasn't he? Bruno Mars is pretty incredible. Have I don't like a lot of modern me? music, but yeah. Oh, he's incredible. I mean, incredible. did you listen to Michael McDonald? Like everything. And I told, and I'm saying with Michael. All right, let's pretend I'm Michael McDonald. Okay, so Michael, this, Michael's the most humble of <clears throat> me. And I go, Michael, just do me this favorite sound check. I remember saying to Michael, could you play the intro for minute by minute for me? Like, just play it <laughs> so I can like, 
like just sit here and like die and, <laughs> and he'd be like yeah but he would just do like doo, 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 on that it's that heart hammond i keep holding on Ooh. i keep holding on i keep holding on did you ever play with Lionel Richie? Lionel Richie? You, yeah. ever, you played with him? Played with Lionel. No, we never sang together. No, no. What's your favorite Lionel song? Oh, my Lanta. Okay, so <laughs> uh, it would be Commodore stuff. What was that one song? Easy Like Sunday Morning. Oh, wait, wait, like, wait. I don't, know. I don't know how that song goes. It's but. not going to be Hello, because all I can see is a, a blind girl making a bust. No, it sounds funny, but I just can't, can't stand, stand the pain. Girl, I'm leaving you tomorrow. There it is. Seems to me, girl, you know I've done all I can. You see, you beg, stole, and I borrowed. Yeah. You gotta get that fading code. Yeah. That's why I'm easy. easy. There you go. I'm easy, easy like, like Sunday morning. morning. Yeah. You get this one. Uh, that's why I'm easy. Oh, I'm easy, easy like, like Sunday morning. morning. I didn't know we were going to that part. This has been awesome. Oh, my God. Love you, baby. I love this. Did you have fun? Oh, yes. 100, baby. I love this. We're going to hang out. You live over the hill. I live five minutes from I here. I always keep thinking because you're so New York. You know, you live in New York. Are you playing a lot still? I mean, I know you are, but are you playing around here anymore? Do you ever play at the Agora Hills Canyon Club? Tell people where you are so they can go see you now. Uh, just go on my website, taylordane.com or anything on Instagram. Taylor, the real Taylor Dane, yeah. The, you're the real... Dude, tweet her, Instagram her, go see yeah. her. If you've never, Facebook, yeah. You will shit yourself when you see oh, her live. You give God. it all. Your music's amazing. Thank you, baby. And you got so much heart. So, and, and it's nice to see the, the human inside. You know, people always think of you as, you know, you're a musician. Oh, her songs. But like when you really well, dig deep. what we did today was it's been, this is my 30-year anniversary last year. So it really, reflection is part of the key of being grateful, right? And yeah. appreciation and and all the work you do on your inside is what reflects on the outside. So I'm ever grateful and I ever appreciate you. And we've had a nice friendship. It's great. I'm grateful great to for be you. Here. All yeah. right. Thanks for allowing me to be inside of you. Oh, Dude. inside voices. Thanks for listening. What a great story and um, very powerful. It's powerful how you could just, she just tells it how it is. And she is, she's strong and she still sounds great in concert, man. She still plays her ass off. You know what I mean? I mean, she sounded great in this room. Didn't she? Oh, my God. She could just, like, she doesn't care. She did, She's one of those musicians who I need, like, hey, can you put some reverb on there? Can we edit that? <laughs> but not with these music. But they, they, these guys have been doing it their whole lives. Uh, Taylor is just a, a, a sensational talent. Thank you for listening again, by the way. If you like that, spread the word. One more week. Next week, we've got a great uh, ending to the just the um, audio podcasts. It's really a good one. Next one's a great one to end on. But don't worry because the week after, yours, your buddy right here, Ryan, is editing the first episode, which will be on YouTube and all over 
Spotify and the same platforms you could listen to it. So nothing changes for you. But I will ask you to do me a favor. Go to YouTube and look inside of you with Michael Rosone and subscribe. Subscribe. Press the subscribe button. And then you could watch it. You could listen to it. You know, maybe both. That would be really helpful. I want to shout out to the uh, top tier patrons who have really helped us out. Uh, gave us the ability to buy some cameras here so we could film this thing in a few weeks. And here they are. Allison L, Andrew C, Angelina G, Barry L, Bob B, Vortex, Chris, Dion K. Uh, we got Emily, Emily S, M H, Jason D, Jason W, Jerry W, Jill E, Kevin R, Kristen K. I wonder if that's Kristen Crook. Lauren G, Lee S, I love Lee, hi Lee, and Lauren. Mark A, Matthew J, Michael S, Nancy, hi Nancy D, Nico P, Raj, Robert L, Sarah V, Scott B, Sean W, Tiana, Trisha, Yukiko, I love my little Yukiko, and uh, also my uh, my assistant Jess, you know, she's a patron, oh. and I think that's really sweet, so I want to give you a shout out, Jess, uh, she won't ever listen to the outro. You know, we get letters a lot, and uh, it really has surprised me. In the last few months, Ryan, it's it's pretty cool because I, I didn't get I used to get some letters, but now in the last six months or so, it's like every day we get letters. And so I'd like to, of course, read you this one. Hey Rosie. My wife and I are huge fans of Smallville and came across your podcast this last June. After listening to the first couple, I was immediately hooked. I listened to every episode in order until I finally cut up your most recent episodes around October and have been up to date since. This also includes all of the In Love episodes, which is no longer Ryan. But uh, it was a good time. Thank you. I love the openness of them and really getting to know you and all of the guests. As uh, with many of the other listeners and guests, I have had my share of issues and love hearing how others have coped and learning something from every episode. I've also shared many of the ideas expressed, such as being present with my kids and team at work. Each week, I look forward to the new episode every Tuesday and listen to it first thing on my way to, to and from work. I have to say the newest episodes this year have been top-notch, and I'm excited to see where it goes from here. Good luck. Keep up the good work. You're doing great things with this show. Forever your fan, David N. from Fort Worth, Texas. David, it makes me feel really good, and uh, you know I'm trying to get better. You know, people say, uh, you know, ask me if I listen to the show. I don't really listen. I, once I interview someone, I'm just, I don't really like listening to myself. Because <laughs> I know I'll just tear myself apart going, oh, cut that, do that. With the videos that Ryan's going to start editing, uh, I'll probably look at the, at least the beginning to see if we're on the right track to see what we're, you know. And so far, they look great, Ryan. So thank you for making me look. I'm giving look, it a thumbs up. Less of an asshole. But uh, thank you for that. It's tough uh, to do. <laughs> it is. Uh, let's see here. This is from. Call, uh, well, this is from Stephen. Dear Michael, I wrote a review about Inside of You. I just wanted you to know how much this podcast means to me. There's been a lot that's happened in my life, and your pod has helped me come to terms with a lot of it. I was in an abusive relationship back in 2012, and because of it, I became broken. I thought that I was broken beyond repair. For seven years, I struggled with mental illness that I didn't even know I had. After a suicide attempt in August 2019, I discovered I had auditory schizophrenia. I already knew I suffered from depression and anxiety, which was just made worse by the abuse I went through. I found your podcast in late 2019, and I've been listening to every episode since. I can't express how much it means to me and how much your care for others means to me. Thank you once again. I hope you keep doing Inside of You for a long time. 
I wish you all the best. Well, Stephen, that means a lot. And, um, you know, obviously I'm not a doctor. I've said this a million times, although Jess seems to think she calls me Dr. Rosenbaum because the doctor will say one thing to me and I'll go, uh, you know, I'm not going to do that. And they're like, oh, she's like, oh, really, Dr. Rosenbaum? Oh, really? But uh, what I'm trying to say is, you know, I don't know a lot about when I say mental illness. I, I know that we all have anxieties and all these things. And obviously auditory schizophrenia is something I know nothing about. And I'm hoping that you're uh, you're talking to people who do know about that and have studied their whole lives to become the doctors that they are. And I just love hearing that, you know, my podcast has done something to help you, to make you, uh, if nothing else, it just seems like it's it's relatable. We could all sort of say, hey, I, I get that. I understand that. I hear that. It's not all just fluffy and fun sometimes. Um, sometimes it's fluffy and fun, but... You know, that, that, that's the whole point. The point is to just, you know, one guest says one thing in an hour that you're like, that really resonated. And sometimes there's more. But I think that's that's what I try to capture because I need it. It's like advice when I'm talking to someone and they say something profound. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to use that. Thank you so much. I forget sometimes that I'm even on a podcast that, you know, other people are listening. But then I realize, oh, wow, if I think that's cool, maybe some of them do too. So anyway, thank you, Stephen, for that wonderful, wonderful note Thank you to everyone. But uh, remember the handles at Inside of You Pod. I think it's on Instagram. It's Inside of You Podcast or Inside of You Pod on Twitter or vice versa. And uh, make sure you uh, join us, follow us, spread the word. Remember, I'll be in Richmond on the 28th, 29th, doing a Smallville Nights and then a staging on the Sunday. Anything coming up for you, Ryan? No. But I have nothing to promote. But you can go to your YouTube video. Yeah, you could say I'm still popping up on the Warp Zone YouTube channel every now and again. And that stuff, that's all there. That well, never goes away. Check him out because you're going to become a fan. Then you can follow him. And what's your uh, handle? At Tez Ryan. At Tez. It's T E L L E Z. I me. think that's E Z, isn't it? Yeah. E Z E. E Z Ryan. Thanks so much for listening. And um, remember, the, uh, Left on Laurel, you can get the album everywhere. It's free online and um, all that stuff in the merch store for Inside of You. And Left on Laurel's at the Inside of You store online. Uh, I think that's about it. Did I cover it all? I think I did. Yeah. All right. Much love to everybody. And uh, by the way, we are going to do a live podcast, it looks like, right now, unless things get canceled. But who's around in late March or early April for uh, a podcast in Austin, Texas, a live podcast? Who would come? I want you to tweet me and say, Rosenbaum, I absolutely would come to Austin for the live podcast. I just would like to get a maybe a head count. Maybe if I see 100 people, then we're going to do it. But we're working on it. I want to do a live podcast. I've always wanted to do it. So tell me what you think of that idea. I love you. Thanks so much. Thank you for allowing me to be inside each and every one of you. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was the three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.